All right, can you hear me? Sure you can. I need the kids. Oh, you're going to like this one. How's everybody? I need you to do me a favor this time. Back up a little bit and then sit on the floor. What is that? No. <laughs> I did that once, but I had a hat, right, that helped me out. This is a bit, yeah, so this, I, I don't want anybody to get hurt. We're going to see this. This is a, a board with a nail in it. What's this? Another nail. Another nail. Okay, since you spoke up, I need one volunteer, and here's what I need you to do. I'll let both of you try it. Um, I need you to balance this nail on top of this nail. That is so easy. Is it? Yeah, it might be. Oh, close. Try it again. Oh, it's kind of hard. Okay, you want to come up and try Look at, oh, there for a minute, wasn't it? Oh, look at that. Woo! Okay, go ahead and sit down. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I have 12 nails. I want you to balance all 12 nails on the top of that nail. That's impossible. What do you think? 12. You think I. You think it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. That's because the pointy part will be sticking up, won't it? And we won't. You're smart. Okay, so what do you think? Can we do it? 12 nails on top of one. Can we do it? No. Oh. Okay. 12 nails. 12 nails. Okay. It is, isn't it? Very hard. Never, because it's impossible. Eleven. Twelve will work too if I would have been hit steadier with my hands. There's eleven nails balanced on one nail. Now, we try. God loves us, doesn't he? He loved you guys and he wants you to be his children. 
And when he comes into your heart and you accept Jesus Christ, then you are saved and one of God's kids. That's what you become. And then God starts a process of, it's hard to be good, isn't it? Even when you're saved, even when you become a Christian, it's hard to be good. Because every day we are tempted to do things we know are wrong. But God says, guess what? That's not a battle I want you to do on your own. In fact, just like you thought balancing 12 nails on top of here was impossible, trying to be good on your own is also impossible. And guess what? God never intended you to do it on your own. And so just like balancing 11 or 12 nails on here, we should probably try the other nail. Because I think I can get all 12. Whoa, I'm a little unsteady. Nope. Okay. Yeah, let's get the nails, though, before anybody gets hurt. So here's, here's the point. Just like balancing 12 nails when you thought was impossible, 11. God helps us with his Holy Spirit. But what do we have to do? Hang on. What do we got to do? For God to do it, we have to say, I can't do it on my own. Just like you guys said, well, I can't do this on my own because it's impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. And he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can get better. We can have the things in us that are wrong and broken fixed. But we have to let God do it and not try to balance all 12 or 11 nails by ourselves. Do you think God will help you? I know he will. He says so in his word. He said he's given you his Holy Spirit so that we can be fixed from the inside, but we got to let God do it. All right. You can try this at home. You can ask your mom and dad. Ask your mom and dad. Okay, they're waiting for you downstairs. Thank you. Those guys are so cute. All of them. It is such a blessing to have them in our family. Oh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for these kids. Um, They're such a vision of hope. Um, And Lord, they're yours. They belong to you. And we just want to see them all come and come to you and grow in you. And just like little children, we need to come to you. Innocent, expecting, but knowing that we can't do it on our own. And we just need to recognize that it is you who both saves us and changes us. So, Lord, we just ask that that message will get across extremely well today, especially with these kids, that they'll have that hope, that they're not in this alone, and neither are we. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I had time. I think t- I think today's is going to be a long one. Otherwise, ooh, otherwise I'd say what I really wanted to do was go back to the slides of the last song. I'm doing it. Sorry.
I approach the throne of glory with nothing in my hands. I approach the throne of glory with nothing in my hands. You know what that's trying to tell you? You brought nothing. You brought nothing. You brought nothing that God didn't give you. In my hands I bring, but promise of acceptance from a good and gracious king. The world is out there dying to be loved and accepted. And they don't get it outside of God. You have it. I will give to you my burden. We have a lot of them, don't we? In fact, we have the burden of, of this sinful life that we still live. We're still burdened by it, and our sins are in there. Even though we've been saved and we've been changed and given a new heart and a new mind, those burdens are still in there, and there's only one place we can go to get rid of them. You can, you can go to a counselor, and maybe you can get therapy. Uh, I, I don't know. what you, you can look to occupy yourself. But if you really want to get rid of the things that are dragging you down, there's only one place, and you take them and you lay them at the foot of the cross. So come and fill me with your spirit, God, as I sing to you this praise. You deserve the greater glory. Overcome, I lift my voice to the king in need of nothing. Empty-handed, I rejoice. Empty-handed. We come empty-handed. We live our entire Christian life empty-handed. And yet we can rejoice because the, the, the undoer of the wrongs, the taking away of the burdens, that was with you always. And you're just a prayer away from leaving the things that are dragging you down in this life and moving on, become more like Jesus. But you've got to lay them down. Oops, okay, it's, I know we'll get there eventually. You guys recognize, right, that technology and Tim Henley do not get along. Uh, my biggest prayer is, Lord, help me get through the slide thing. <laughs> it's distracting for me for some reason, and then I get off track of where I'm at. Anyway, we'll hopefully get through this, because I do want to see have you see this. Now... Statement of faith, getting back to the basics, part five, continued. We believe. We believe. Why do we believe? Why do we believe? Because it's in the Word of God. That's where we go, for our source of truth, for all faith and practice, final authority. We say, as our church statement of faith, that in the Bible, it tells us this message. We believe that in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, by whose indwelling, living inside me, the Christian, that's me and you, if you've accepted Jesus, you have the ability to live a godly life. Now, Tim, that's one sentence. Can you really preach four Sundays on that? <laughs> What's, what, this is the third one. Guess what that means? <laughs> We're not going to finish today either. <laughs> we'll see. Because there's a lot of things about this. This, this, is, this is one of the biggest questions of your Christianity after you've been saved. What now? Because there's only the, I'm going to say the two things, right? There's two things that are, only really two things that are important 
about you and about all human beings in this life. One of them is being reconciled to God. That means accepting Jesus Christ, work on the cross on your behalf, and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior. Okay, that's reconciliation to God, which then opens the door, fills you with the Holy Spirit, opens the door, and enables you to live the kind of life where you will find perfect satisfaction. Because I have all these burdens, and there's some of them are still in there. We went through this, and we looked at some things the last two weeks. So I just didn't want to do a quick review, catch you up. We do that right at the end of all your TV shows. And, you know, and there's a button on there for the one I'm watching now. It says, skip the recap. You don't get to skip the recap. Okay. Here's where it goes. What does this statement mean? So we went through that. What does it mean when we say this? The present ministry, we believe the Holy Spirit indwells us, and Christians can live a godly life. What is the indwelling? We talked about that. Is the Holy Spirit really inside me? And what does that mean? Does he, where is he? I mean, is he taking up space? How, how, how much is in there? We talked about that. He's in there. The Bible says, in fact, if he's, if you're not, if he's no, no spirit in you, then you're not really a Christian. So it's, 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 it's a, there's no choice here. When you accept Jesus, he moves in. Sometimes it's kind of dirty and there's a lot of cleanup to be done. But nonetheless, he moves in and he's in there, which means he goes along with you everywhere you go. He sees everything you see. He's hearing everything you hear. He knows everything you're thinking. And if I were him, you would be in really bad trouble. I would know how cruddy you are. But God knows. He loves you anyway. You're a work in progress, just like me, just like all of us. We're a work in progress. And God knows all the rotten stuff I'm thinking and doing and, and things I should be doing that I'm not doing. He, does all, he loves me anyway. And he says, well, you just got more work to do. But I've given you some tools. Don't try to balance the nails by yourself. Okay. So we looked at those things. He's still in there. Okay, he's in there. And, and here was the question. This is question one. There's some questions that I, ha I posed. And the reason that we're going to have another Sunday is because I'm not going to get through all my questions. But these are questions that, that were plaguing me that I think, I think a lot of people have these same questions. If the Holy Spirit is in there and he's God, which means he's all-powerful, and he has no restrictions on what he can do, and he knows everything about me, and he had the power to, to save me. Why am I not changed more? Or, or more quickly, or more perfectly, or, or more consistently? Why is it that I have so inconsistent periods in my life where I don't, I don't seem to be experiencing spiritual growth? Now, now I'm almost positive. I'm, I'm outing myself, but, but, but I'm almost positive positive, I'm not the only one in this room that's had those questions. Like, why am I still here? Why am I still here in this place in my spiritual growth? Why am I not better? And that's a question that we all ask. That's why I'm spending this amount of time on this issue is because I think it's a very critical question. So one of the answers was, because I'm still broken. And that was a conclusion that we found from Romans 7, 14 through 25. Um, we'll get to this part in a second. Um, 
we're still broken. And Paul was talking about that because there's a part of us, our fleshly part, that's in there and it's still broken and it's still sinful and it still wants what it wants, when it wants it. It's opposed to God, it's selfish, and it wants to control everything. That's part of me that's still in there, part of you that's still in you. It wants what it wants, and it wants to be in control, and it's selfish, and it's sinful, and it's broken, and God knows it's in there. And but because of that, there's this struggle that's going on. In, in Sunday school this morning, we talked about the struggle, but it was mainly, it was Ephesians chapter um, 6, right? Chapter 6. And we were talking about the spiritual armor that we put on. But that was really about this struggle that's going on outside of us that we don't see. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that's actually, you know, Satan is here he, and he is alive and well on planet Earth. You know, the title of a book. He's here. And there's a spiritual battle going on, and we put on this armor, but, but we're talking about this inner battle. The inner battle that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7 where I do the things I don't want to do and the things I do want to do I don't do. What a wretched man I am. Oh, who can save me from this disaster? And then he goes on to give us the answer. But, but that's one of the reasons why it's so hard. Because there's still part of us that's broken. And God wants that to go away. And then we saw another reason that we struggle so much. That was Galatians chapter 3, 1 through 3. that said, hey, you foolish Galatians, you started out in the power of the Holy Spirit, but now you're trying to do it by the power of the flesh. And you're going back to the law where you can just be obedient and think somehow, some way, if I'm just good enough, I can grow. That's a recipe for disaster. It's never going to work. Almost all of us have tried it. Hey, I can handle this, God. You saved me. You gave me a new heart, a new mind. You gave me your word. You got me your Holy Spirit. And I can handle this. And we try, and we try, and we try, and we fail. And then we get frustrated, and then we just fake it, and then give up. Because we were never designed or told to fix ourselves. That's God. That's God who has to balance all the nails. When we try to do it, we can maybe take one little issue at a time and bounce it on top of the nail. And I do pretty good with one, but then the rest of my life is just going down the toilet because we can't do it. We can't do it through human will. We can't do it through just self-discipline. All those things can work for a while, but God wants to do it, and he can do it perfectly. But what's the answer then, Tim? That's the next one. What's the answer? How can we do better? Did I miss that one? No. What's the answer? How can we do better? Do you ever ask yourself that? Is there an answer? What is it? How can I do better at living a godly life? Well, the answer is, well, here's some facts, first of all. Behavior or life change is a result of a new heart and a new mind. It's not the other way around. See, what we want to do is we want to focus on the behaviors. God, I have this sin problem in my life, and I'll, we're going to go through some of those later. But you could pick one and just say, it's this one, and boy, I'm going to try my best not to do this one anymore. And we think somehow if we change the behaviors, oops. Okay, now I've really done it. What did I do, guys? Help me out here. See, I should not have this in my hand. I am. There we go. I don't even know what button does that, but somehow. So we try to we try to do this. Oops, here we go. Um, 
And we have this heart and mind change, but we have to recognize that, that it doesn't work the other way around. I can't fix the behaviors, therefore then I'll be changed. It works the other way, where God says, no, I'll give you the heart and mind, the new heart and mind, and then the behavior change is a result of being transformed. So heart and mind change is the result of being transformed by God's Holy Spirit. You cannot do it the other way around. You cannot work your way into changing yourself. And transformation is the pathway to the true goal. Well, what's the true goal? The true goal is reconciliation and restoration with God, which then leads you into intimacy with God. Okay, first thing has to happen, I have to be reconciled. I have to be saved. I have to accept Jesus. Then I get to be restored. And God says, okay, now you're, I'm working on you, and I'm going to fix you mostly in this life, some in this life, but completely in the next one, and you will have intimacy with God. But you can have intimacy with God now to a greater extent than you had when you first came to Christ because as God transformed you, you can be more and more intimate. And that is the true goal, not just to be saved, but what happens when we are saved is what we are now intimate with God or we can be intimate with God. And that intimacy with God provides all of the things that we need to be truly and perfectly satisfied. And all of this is for God's glory and our good. Okay, let's see if I can do this without killing anything. So here's the key, people. Here is the key. I want to be changed, Tim. The Holy Spirit's in there. I get it. And he has both the resources and the intent to transform me back into the image of Jesus so that I can have intimacy with God and have all these needs that you've given me met. This cravings that I have in my soul can be met when we find intimacy with God. Here is the key. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You have to die. In fact, it says you've already died. This is something that I think we don't necessarily always think about. Galatians 2.20, if it's true, is it true? Yes, it is. Why is it true? Because it's in the Word of God. And that's our standard for truth. And it's said, not are you going to be crucified with Christ, not you should try to be crucified with Christ. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do you think that's exclusive to Paul? The answer is no. Do I live like I no longer live for me? No, not necessarily. But the reality of your existence is if you're a Christian, you no longer belong to you. You, the old you, has died for the most part. Now, I'm going to live, but I'm not going to live for Tim Henley. I'm going to live for Christ who now is in me, and I belong to him, and I am one of his kids and I am no longer an owner of anything that's mine. 
that was mine. Not my time, not my talents, not my body, not my thought processes, not my desires. All of those now belong to God because he says positionally, I am dead. But guess what? Not only did he say, I'm crucified, but I'm going to resurrect you just like I did my son, new, and you're going to find true life, which is intimacy with me, and I am going to kill the old you. But it is a process that starts with our salvation and ends when we die or Jesus returns. How can we be most effective in that process so that we grow as much as we can for our benefit and God's glory? How can we make this process the most effective that it can be? Dying and accepting your own death is the start. And you're all going to say, well, here we go again. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. God says the answer to your problem after you've been saved, the answer to your sin problem after you've been saved is that you need, as an act of your will, you want to find out what is it God wants from me? What does he want from me? We know what he's going to do. We know he's given us this. What does he want from me? What does God want from you? He wants you. And he wants all of you. And he's coming for you. And he's not going to stop because he wants it all. And you think you can hold on to some of it. And God says, no, no, no. No, no, no. As an act of your worship, I want you to cooperate me. And this thing will go pretty smooth. Get your hands off the wheel. Slide over to the passenger seat. Put me in control. And this is going to go pretty well for you. But you have to, as an act of your will, Present your flesh, present your body. Doesn't say present your heart, he already owns it. Doesn't say present your mind, he already owns that, although you gotta keep giving it to him. He says, sacrifice this part of you that's still broken, that's your flesh. And it says, as a daily act, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Recognize this needs to be killed. You know, that's what the sacrifice was all about. They put the animal on the altar and the priest would come with the knife and kill it and slit its throat and its blood would pour out and God wants to kill parts of you. Be transformed. Colossians 3. If you've been raised with Christ, and you have. Not only were you crucified with Christ, but you've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. And so set your minds on things above, not on the things of this earth. And so what am I supposed to do? What does God want from me? He wants me to sacrifice the broken fleshly parts of myself all the time. I wish it could be a one-time thing, but it's not. I have to do it all the time. And then he says, look, I need you to Regard things of me. Think about things that are mine. 
Get this connection going. You need help. You can't do this on your own. You need to connect with me, and you connect with me through my word, through prayer, through my Holy Spirit, and through the Spirit that lives in other believers. We come together, and we get that divine connection so that we can keep our hearts and minds focused on the things that are important. There are a lot of things in life we think are important that aren't. There are a lot of things that distract us. And we see out in the world, there's an enormous amount of things go on that are causing a lot of anxiety and worry and concern. And, and, and we have these portions of our life that we i got to worry about my education and, and my career and all the different things, my, my, my relationships and my marriage and my family. And, and do I have enough money to retire? None of that means anything in the end. In order to sacrifice ourselves on a daily basis, we have to have our minds fixed and changed. Keep your minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. So then we go into the next one, Romans 12, 2. No longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, transformed, fixed, by the renewing of our mind. So we, re- we recognize I see two steps so far. One, I have to sacrifice myself all the time. I have to put that part of me that's still broken on the altar and let God kill it. See, God wants to do this. When, when, when we're saved, and, and we, still are, we still have this fleshly thing, and we go back to Romans chapter 7, it's like this. You see this? This is me. This is the old me, the fleshly me, and it's out front. And here's back inside where God says, no, I came in and I made, I made a new you. You've been born again. Here's what I need to do in your life, Tim. I need to do this. Until finally, the old you's gone. And the only thing that exists is Christ who lives in you. And that's a process that's difficult. And it starts with sacrificing yourself. It starts with making that decision that I'm going to sacrifice myself And I'm going to allow God to transform me by the renewing of my mind. So Romans chapter 8 gives us an answer, and it's called life through the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm giving you a Holy Spirit. He has all these tools. We talked about all the tools that he brought with him. He's going to be your teacher, your guide, your convictor of sin. He's going to lead you into all truth. All the things that he's in there and he's going to do. And, 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 but you've got to live in the Spirit. Live through the Spirit. I can't do it by living in the flesh. Through my flesh. And that's the first thing. Because here's the old Tim still out front. Wanting to be in control. And God says, that's not going to work. And, and it doesn't say... I'm going to make you live this way. No, it says, I have to live myself. This is weird. I'm going to have to live myself as if it's me, but it's really God. God says, I'm going to bring fruit of the Spirit into your life. And he doesn't do this. He doesn't bring in a big old basket of fruit and say, okay, here you go. Now, that's yours. Eat away. It's you. No. He says, I, this is me. That's me. That's my Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm like. And I have these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I'm not giving you those. That is me. But when you let me live through you, that's what you're going to do. Your behaviors will line up with who I am when you sacrifice me. But you need to live through me. And I will live through you. 
That's how it works. When you try to live through you, what comes out is the fleshly parts of you, and it's always broken. And so I have to let control go and let God who inhabits me live through me. And I have to live through him. But it's so easy, isn't it, to to wake up in the morning and think, I got this plan and this plan, I got this thing I have to do, and I got this thing I have to do, and I got this I should accomplish, and I need to improve in this, and I need to get on the treadmill, and I I, I need to watch what I'm eating, and all these things that I got to do. Do I once stop and say, this is your day, this is your life, these are your talents, this is your body, work on it. All the things that we have belong to God, and we have to start with that and let God live through us. But don't try to take the credit when he makes the progress. We get a little bit big-headed because we're broken and we're sinful and we're selfish, and we, we get some spiritual growth, and we think, oh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. God, thanks for the, you know, the boost and the head start, but I'm thinking I'm pretty good now. Don't be tempted to take the credit. If God's living through you, it's him doing it. You can enjoy it. You can enjoy the benefits of it, but don't take the credit. In Romans 8, 9 through 11, you are not, however, in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And that's what God wants us to be, in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, which we already talked about, yeah, if, you're, if you don't have the Spirit, then you don't, aren't really one of Christ. But if the Spirit of Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, then although your body is dead, that's the fleshly part that I'm going to sacrifice, you have spiritual life because of the life of the Spirit that's in you. So you have some dead parts, and it is like, and I've used this illustration before, it's like you got this dead monkey on your back, and it's always there. And it's in there, and it's dead, but you also have life, because the dead part is the part that's separate from God, because He cannot tolerate sin. But He's given you life through the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which He does, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 11. So what he's promising you is this. I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to raise you from the dead, new and unbroken, and it's a process that's going to last the rest of your life. So Colossians 3 I'm going to get lost here again. 5 through 10 says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And so this is, a, this is a kind of a laundry list. And this is one where we get into the practical aspects of how does this happen. Okay, we have, to, we have to sacrifice ourselves. We have to recognize and willfully say, Nope, God, I get it. You want all of me? I'm going to put it on the altar. One piece at a time. Then I also have to have my mind renewed, and I have to. That's an act of your will. I have to say, no, I'm going to focus on things above instead of things here. 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these things, too, you also once walked, but when you were living in them, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. And so that put them all away is the Greek word, I'm really bad with this, opot. Ethemy, to cast aside or lay down and walk away from. So God is saying, look, I am going to cut you free from your old self. And if you, as an act of your will, you can, in my power, walk away from the old you. Okay? And this is a list. And so we look at this, and, and, and this is where we get, kind of get messed up. And it says, now put all the way anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Don't lie to each other. Seeing that you put off the old self, put on the new self. And that put on is indo, to put on clothes like you would wear something. And so back to the question. We're in this process, God. What do you want from me? I know what you're going to do. What do you want from me? I want you to sacrifice yourself. I want you to get your mind renewed, and I want you to put on your new self. Which means what? means that it's available. I mean, God didn't say, go make your new self. He said, go put it on. I've already remade it. It's there waiting for you like a set of clothes. Are you just going to leave it in the closet, or are you actually going to go put it on? I tailored it exactly for you. It only is going to fit you. It's sitting in the closet if you will go put it on. Take off the old. Throw it away. Put on the new that God has prepared just for you. Well, what does that look like? We see all these things. And it's this kind of laundry list of, you know, put to death all these, these bad things that you do. And then, then we have the good things, right? God says, okay, do this. Put this on. As God chosen holy one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Does that sound like the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Kind of does. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against you or against another, forgiving each other, forgiveness. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which packages everything together. In fact, it's the greatest commandment. So here we have this kind of laundry list. Don't do this. That's the old you. Take it off. Throw it away. Put on this. This is the new you. How do we do that? As an act of your will, I think the, the, the killing yourself is something that we have to do daily. And actually, this list kind of helps identify what those things are. So, so if you have, and I, would, I, I, would, I don't want anybody to say, I don't need you to raise your hand, but somewhere in your life, you have a besetting sin, and you have had little success in conquering. Most likely. We all do. And we have a bunch of other ones. So whether your sin is pride or selfishness or greed or anger or unforgiveness or sexual lust or striving after things of this world or unfaithfulness or untruthfulness or stealing or coveting or coarse speech or deceit or addictions 
or laziness. You need to name it. You need to admit it. You need to own it. You need to take it to God. You need to recognize that you can't fix it yourself. And then you need to take that sin. And if you have to do it in your mind, do it. Just take it up there to the, put it on the altar and say, God, I have tried to fix this and it won't work. Save me. And you need to put that thing on the altar. One sin at a time if you have to. And God will kill it. He will kill that part of you if you give it to him. But you have to admit it. You have to admit that you can't do it on your own. And you have to give it to God. And I'm telling you, this works. I have done it. I'm still doing it. I am doing it on a daily basis because they keep coming back. So at, like a cancer that's in you, if you put that sin, that besetting sin, that sin that's troubling you, that's causing this guilt, and you put it on the altar and say, God, I can't fix myself, kill it for me. He'll do it. And like a cancer, then you can start the radiation therapy of God's Word and prayer. And you can start the chemotherapy of God's Holy Spirit's power in the, in the fellowship and accountability with other Christians so that that thing don't come back. There is victory in your life over sin. And it starts and ends with surrender. So why don't we do that? Why do we have such a hard time surrendering? It requires faith because every decision you make, whether you recognize it or not, or the majority of anything that's serious, you go through a process of risk versus reward or cost versus return. And when we don't surrender completely to God, what we have done, whether you recognize it or not, is that you say, nope, that doesn't make sense. Nope, I'm going to miss out on this. Nope, I'm not going to get what I want out of life. Nope, I'm going to hold this part back. God, you can have the rest, but I'm going to keep this one because this is really important to me and I really want it to go my way. God is coming for you and every time you hold something back, you're going to get spanked because God wants it all for your good and His glory. But you have to decide for yourself, is God's way truly what's best for me? Is God's way truly what's best for me? Is God's way truly what's best for me? It doesn't seem logical. It doesn't seem right. It seems kind of scary. Why do I want to sacrifice everything I have and just serve others and serve God? That doesn't seem like it's the, the recipe for happiness and fulfillment and success and, and peace and joy. But it is. But you have to decide and do the risk-reward and do the cost-return analysis and in faith say, my flesh is telling me no, but God, I'm trusting you that it's yes, that your way is the way. And then sacrifice yourself one piece at a time, if necessary, and let God kill the old you and replace it with himself. Jesus says in Luke 9.23, 
Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself daily. Pick up your cross, which is a symbol of your sacrificing of your life to him. He died on that cross. You can die on your cross. He didn't say pick up my cross. He said pick up your cross and follow me. Let's pray. Oh, Father, this, this, one's, this, this, is a tough, this is a tough journey for us. Um, we keep getting in your way, and that's just the way it is. It's not a tough journey for you. You see the end from the beginning. You know that in the end you're going to have your way. You can see us in our perfected version that's going to happen later, and you see that because you see all things at once. But for us, it's a journey, and it seems so far away at sometimes, and it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel of this life, and it's just hard, and every time we try, we fail, and God, we just need to see it the way you see it, that the battle is yours. It belongs to you. We belong to you, and you have not abandoned us to our own efforts. You are there to change us and save us if we'll only get out of your way and give you everything and quit holding it back. Father, I pray that for myself. And and there are areas in my life, Lord, you know. You know I held on to for so long. And, boy, there was some good spankings. And you got what you wanted. Continue that, Lord. But help me to cooperate. And, and everyone that's here, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just work in our hearts to ease the battle, to put it on your shoulders where it belongs, if we'll just let it. I thank you, Father, for the work that you've done in my life. I thank you for the work you've done in the lives of all your children here. And that you will continue to do that. And that we can find joy in that. We can find victory in that in the fulfillment that you want us to have, both in this life and completely in the next. But I know, Lord, that there's joy to be found here as you change us into yourself. I thank you for all of that. Thank you for saving me. I thank you for loving me enough to fix me and for all of us. Lord, we are just so grateful that all the glory for that goes to you. And we thank you and praise you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.